invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. And Matthew 14 is where we will spend the majority of our time together this morning in God's Word. The late great pastor Adrian Rogers once said, two words that will change your life are, yes, Lord. As followers of Jesus, we're to say yes to Jesus day by day. Yes to the truth of Jesus. Yes to the teachings of Jesus found in God's Word. And we are continuing to unpack God's truth for our lives in this amazing passage found in Matthew chapter 14. This passage we started studying last Sunday. Let's do a review of sorts uh, from what we learned last week so that we will be ready to receive all that God has for us to receive this morning. God has prepared a wonderful meal of his truth for us this morning. We're here on purpose, not by accident. What God is going to speak to us is for us, but it's also uh, for those that God's going to place around us because we are ministers for Jesus as followers of Jesus. We are ministers for Jesus I am a minister for Jesus. You are a minister for Jesus. Let's say together out loud, I am a minister for Jesus. Ready, go. Amen. That means what God has for us this morning is for us, but it's also for those he's going to place around us this week. And so we need to be listening because there's things that we need to apply, truth that we need to apply in our lives, truth we need to be ready to share with those God will bring our way. Matthew 14, hopefully you're there. Uh, verse 22, immediately he being Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Jesus fed the multitudes of people with the boys' lunch of two fish and five loaves. There were people there in the crowd upon seeing this miracle of Jesus that wanted to make Jesus king. Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew their thoughts and he acted quickly as we see, as in immediately. Jesus sent his disciples off in a boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee towards Bethsaida and Capernaum on the western, northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee while Jesus stayed behind to dismiss the crowds to go home after that miracle of feeding the crowds on the two fish and five loaves. After dismissing the crowds, verse 23, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Jesus dismissed the crowds, and so the disciples obeyed Jesus, the crowds obeyed Jesus, did what Jesus said. Jesus then went up on the mountain to spend time with his father in prayer, and when he was there, it was evening. Darkness was settling in for the night. Jesus often made time to get alone with God, his father, to pray. As we shared last Sunday, John shared with us in his gospel that when Jesus would get alone with God the Father to pray, he would pray for himself, he would pray for his disciples and followers, and he prayed for all those who would become his followers by God's grace through their faith in him, which includes you and me today. Jesus prayed for strength from God to fulfill the plan of God, which was to open the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins, to open the way for us to enter into a relationship with God, which would be possible by way of his perfect life, his perfect death, and resurrection. 
And so we see Jesus also prayed for his disciples and his followers. Jesus specifically prayed for Peter uh, and other disciples of his and followers of his. Jesus intercedes for us today. Jesus is interceding for us, his followers, today. Jesus prays for our protection, for our unity, for our joy, and for our spiritual growth, which encourages and motivates us to live our lives for him day by day. And so we see this is a scene. It's nighttime. It's the evening. Verse 24, but the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus is alone on the mountain talking with his father God. And the disciples are in the boat. They are rowing west towards the Bethsaida Capernaum area. And as they're rowing west, we know the storm is, has come up on the sea. The waves are battering the boat. The winds are blowing against the boat. And as the disciples are sailing towards the west, they are actually pushed off course out towards the middle of the Sea of Galilee. This storm tested the faith of the disciples. And we know today the purpose of storms, tests, and trials in our lives is to mature us, grow us, and strengthen us in our faith in Jesus. Jot this passage down if you're taking notes. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James agreed with this, and James said, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing the testing of your faith, uh, produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Jesus, understand, matures us by our trials as we trust Jesus in and through our trials. Jesus matures us by our trials as we trust Jesus in and through our trials. You see, we can rejoice in our tests and trials when we understand the reason for our tests and trials. James said, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. He said, consider it a great joy because he understood the reason for the tests and trials in our lives. And he shared that with us in verses three and four. And so we today are able to rejoice in our tests and trials. Because we understand the reason for our tests and trials. That reason is simply to grow us and to strengthen us in our faith in Jesus, which when we understand the reason, we can rejoice in our trials as we run to Jesus in our trials. Because we understand and realize if we're in a trial, we're in a test, we're in a time of, of storm in our lives, then the best place to be, as we'll see here in just a moment, is with Jesus. So we see this is the scene that is unfolding. The guys are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and they're struggling. They're rowing, but they're struggling. They've been blown off course. Verse 25, around 3 in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. Again, I love the simplicity of Matthew. As he writes, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. It was a chaotic scene. The waters of the Sea of Galilee were churning. They were spinning out of control. They were being blown and tossed by the wind. And 
in the darkness. It's three in the morning, in the middle of this storm. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. What an amazing, beautiful picture. Jesus walking on the sea, completely and totally unaffected by the darkness, unaffected by the wind, unaffected by the waves, unaffected by the storm. He knew exactly where his disciples were. He didn't struggle. He knew exactly where they were as he made his way to them. Quick side note, we understand and realize today Jesus knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly where you are in the test, in the trial, in the storm, in the challenge that you are facing right now. And he wants you to understand, just as he came to his disciples in that storm, he comes to you this morning. He comes to me this morning. And we see, continuing in verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. And they cried out in fear. And so the disciples, again, three in the morning, they've been out on the waters for a long time. They are rowing as hard and as fast as they can, not having much effort, not going where they want to go. And they are terrified, afraid, in a state of panic because of what they see. They think they see a ghost walking to them on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was walking to his disciples in full view of his disciples because he wanted them to see it was him, Jesus, God in the flesh, walking on the sea of Galilee. Why? So that they would trust in him. So they would recognize him and trust in him. Instead, the disciples, terrified and afraid, cried out, in fear. Verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Notice when the disciples cried out in fear. The minute the disciples cried out in fear, Jesus responded to them immediately. Responded to them immediately. Jesus said, have courage. Have courage means take heart. Be of good cheer. Be comforted. It's a command for us to obey today and every day. And so there you know, with that being a command, there was something that was going to follow. Jesus said, it is I. It is I means I am. Jesus said, have courage, take heart. It is I. I am. Meaning, I am here. I am with you. Jesus said, have courage. We can have courage. It is Jesus. He is with us. And he said, don't be afraid. Jesus said, guys... Listen, have courage, take heart, be of good cheer, be comforted. It's me, Jesus, I'm here, I'm with you, therefore do not be afraid. Jesus, one of these disciples, to understand, he wasn't scared of the storm, he wasn't subject to the storm, he was sovereign over the storm. And he was using the storm in his work in their lives to grow and strengthen their faith in him. And again, we need to be reminded that Jesus is not scared of the storms we face. Jesus is not subject to the storms we face. He's sovereign over the storms that we face. And he uses the storms, the tests and trials in our lives to grow us and strengthen us, mature us, complete us in our faith 
in him. We can have courage today and every day. We can take heart today and every day. We can be of good cheer today and every day. We can be comforted today and every day. We don't have to be afraid today and every day. Why? Because Jesus is with us. Amen? He's with us. And so we see this command, have courage. So we obviously have to ask the question, how then are we able to live with courage? We know he's with us. We know we don't have to be afraid. And yet the command still stands. How then are we to live with courage? Well, it's a great question. And the answers are right here in the passage. So let's look at these answers again as we unpack what God has for us this morning. The first way in which we're to live with courage, if you want to live with courage as a follower of Jesus Christ, which I firmly believe you do or you wouldn't be here this morning, uh, if I want to live with courage, number one, then we must believe in Jesus. I must believe in Jesus. You must believe in Jesus. We see this here in verse 27. Let's look at verse 27 again. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, it is I. Peter responded, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter showed, as we showed last week, a lack of faith in Jesus. Peter wasn't sure at this point whether this was really Jesus who was talking with them and walking to them. Peter wanted more proof that it was Jesus who was talking with them and walking to them. Now, thankfully, don't miss this. See this. It's right here. You don't want to miss this. Thankfully, Peter's lack of faith in Jesus did not last long. Do you see that? Do you notice it? Peter's lack of faith in Jesus. Peter was not sure. Wasn't quite sure. Lord, if it's you, it's three in the morning, it's a storm, they're exhausted, it's dark, they see him coming. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So we see Peter's faith, his lack of faith in Jesus did not last long. How do we know this? We know this because Peter then immediately climbed out of the boat in the middle of the storm, which you couldn't have done something more dangerous. You couldn't have done something more crazy at that moment than that. He climbed out of the boat in the middle of the storm and walked to Jesus because of his faith in Jesus. He expressed doubts. He wasn't sure. Jesus, if it's you, command me. And then he climbed out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. Warning number one for us as followers of Jesus Christ in this passage, there, there are several. Let me just give you a few of them. Warning number one, our enemy Satan uses the storms, tests, and trials in our lives to try to create doubt in us. He uses the storms, tests, and trials in our lives to try to cause us to doubt Jesus, to doubt Jesus is with us, to doubt that Jesus cares about us, to doubt that Jesus loves us, to doubt that Jesus sees us, to doubt that Jesus is good to us. He is constantly trying to create doubt in us. He's constantly trying to divide us from our relationship with Jesus. He wants to bring uh, isolation instead of that intimacy that God wants with us 
in him through our faith in Jesus. So he's trying to create doubt. And in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tests of faith, when Jesus is working in us and working on us and working through us, there are times when if things don't work out according to our timetable, then the enemy has some success in trying to create doubt in us. Trying to cause us to doubt. Well, is Jesus really with us? Does he really care about us? Does he really see us? Because, you know, if he did, he'd be answering your prayer by now. He would have done something by now. I mean, if Jesus really does love you, he would have taken care of you. He'd have fixed this. He'd have changed this. And we know and understand that uh, that is not true. Our enemy is constantly trying to create doubt in us. We know Jesus is with us. We know He sees us. We know he cares about us and loves us and is working in us and through us and around us for his good purposes. So if we're going to live with courage, then we must believe in Jesus. We must believe that he is with us. We must believe that he is there and he is enough for us and he is helping us. And will continue to help us step by step, day by day along our way. We must believe in Jesus. If we're going to live with courage, the second point we see here is that we must remember the works of Jesus. We must remember the works of Jesus. Now, we won't stay long on this point, but I believe it's a significant point uh, that gives us help and encouragement to live with courage for Jesus as followers of Jesus. We must remember the works of Jesus. One of the ways that we're able to believe in Jesus is by remembering the works of Jesus. If we're going to live with courage, then we need to believe in Jesus. And we can live with courage as we believe in Jesus. And one of the ways we believe in Jesus is by remembering the works of Jesus. For example, we'll look at the disciples. The disciples saw Jesus multiply the fish and loaves. The disciples saw Jesus heal the sick and lame. The disciples saw Jesus perform miracles. The disciples saw Jesus walk on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples heard Jesus preach and teach with authority. The disciples had already been with Jesus in a boat on this same Sea of Galilee in a storm like this storm on the Sea of Galilee. In Matthew chapter 8, we see the account where the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. Jesus is below. He's sleeping. And there's a storm that whips up on the Sea of Galilee. That storm was so rough, the disciples thought they were going to die. They cried out in fear. They went down, woke up Jesus. Jesus gets up. He comes out, and he rebuked the wind, and he stilled the storm immediately. Immediately. And they were like, whoa! Whoa! Who is this? Even the winds, the waves, obey him. They saw they were with Jesus when he did this on the Sea of Galilee in a boat in the storm. Remembering the works of Jesus would inspire the disciples to live for Jesus with courage. Remembering the works of Jesus would inspire the disciples 
to live with courage for Jesus. We see this throughout the scriptures. We think of David in the Old Testament. David remembered the works of Jesus. He remembered how God had helped him. And as he was shepherding the flocks, he killed the lion and the bear with his bare hands, which gave him the confidence to understand, no, that big, ugly Goliath was nothing. Nothing. Just as God's helped me before, he'll help me again. This guy's going down. He's got no chance. And so we understand today in our lives, remembering the works of Jesus in his word and in our lives inspires us to live with courage for Jesus today. You just stop and think in your own life, the testimony of how Jesus has worked in your life, how he's brought you through challenging times, how he's brought you through storms, how he has stilled the wind and the waves in your life, how he's brought you through tests and trials. Man, when we remember the works of Jesus in our lives, we remember the works of Jesus in his word, It inspires us to believe in Jesus. It inspires us to live with courage for Jesus. We understand this is in part what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, the the great hall of faith chapter. When the writer of Hebrews said, Now faith is the reality, the substance of what is hoped for, the proof, the evidence of what is not seen. That was the beginning verse. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews then, from that point forward, gave us proof and evidence for our faith in Jesus through the examples and the testimonies of some of the heroes of the Old Testament and how God had worked in their lives. There is also evidence and proof for our faith from Jesus' work in our lives as well. If you've not seen Jesus do anything else other than save you by his grace through his faith in Christ Jesus, you've seen a miracle. You've seen the greatest miracle that can happen. The miracle of bringing someone who is dead to life. The miracle that's going to allow us to live forever and for all eternity. And so if that's all we got to look back on, then that's more than enough to look back on. That's amazing. You've got to save us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And so we understand and realize the Jesus who has been with us is the same Jesus who is with us today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we are able to live with courage as we believe in Jesus, as we remember the works of Jesus in our lives. The third point, if we're going to live with courage, we see here in this passage, then we must make time to pray. We must make time to pray. Jesus Place a priority on prayer. We see it in this passage. You got alone on the mountain to pray with God the Father. The disciples placed a priority on prayer. We must place a priority on prayer. Listen, as we prioritize prayer, as we make time to pray, and we must make time to pray, as we make time to pray, Jesus hears and responds to us. He hears and responds to us answers us, and his answers are always best for us. Even the times when he answers no, it's best for us. When times he answers yes, it's best for us. When the times he answers keep growing, it's best for us. His answers are always best for us. I look back in my life, and I praise God for his answers, which were no. So many times I was praying for a certain thing, and I thought that was best, and he said no, and praise God he said no, because what he had planned for me was so much better than what I thought, than what I desired. 
So we can rejoice in him and his answers to our prayers. Yes, no, wait, grow, whatever the case may be, they're best for us. I love what Oswald Chambers, the author of My Utmost First Highest, a fantastic devotional guide, said. He said, prayer does not prepare us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. It is the greater work. Here's a second warning. Understand, we know this uh, personally in our own relationship with the Father. Satan, our enemy, will do whatever he can to keep us from prayer. He will do whatever he can to keep us from prayer. Because he understands and realizes the power that fills our lives that comes through prayer. Prayer helps us live with courage because prayer keeps us focused on Jesus. Prayer helps us live with courage because prayer reminds us we can do nothing apart from Jesus. Prayer helps us to live with courage because prayer fills us with the power of Jesus. Prayer helps us to live with courage because prayer reminds us that Jesus is with us. And which allows and empowers us to continue walking by faith in him. We see the importance of prayer in this passage and all throughout God's word. We need to pray today and every day, all through the day. The fourth one we see, if we're going to live with courage, then we must walk by faith in Jesus. I want you to look back, verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. Notice Peter's faith in Jesus had times of strength and weakness. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And then shortly after that, Peter climbed out of the boat in the storm and walked on the Sea of Galilee toward Jesus. Peter's faith in Jesus had times of strength in times of weakness. Reminds me of the story of the father of the son who was possessed by a demonic spirit from birth. You remember that scene? The father loved his son. His son had grown up from birth, possessed by this spirit, this evil spirit, which had tried to kill him on multiple occasions. The father finally was so frustrated. He loved his son so much. He brought his son to the disciples of Jesus. And he brought his son to the disciples. Jesus said, will you heal my son? of this demonic spirit. He had heard the disciples were healing folks. He had heard the disciples were casting out spirits by the power of Jesus that he had given to his disciples. And the disciples tried, but they couldn't do it. They were unsuccessful. There was a crowd surrounding the disciples and the father and the son at this point. Jesus was walking up to the crowd and the father turned and saw Jesus and he explained the situation to Jesus and he said these words, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus looked at the father and said, if you can, if you can, everything, Jesus said, is possible for him who believes. The father's response it was a fantastic response. I think it echoes the response that we, for truly honest, would say would be our response so often in our lives today. The Father said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. You see, much like Peter and this Father, our faith in Jesus 
has times of strength and weakness. Thankfully, Jesus is patient with us as we grow in our faith in him, as we follow him by faith. He's patient with Peter. He's patient with the Father. He's patient with us as well. Now, I want you to see, uh, this is a beautiful picture. Jesus comes to them. He's trying to help them settle down, be calm. They don't need to be afraid anymore. Have courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. Peter responds and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus responded to Peter back, and he simply said, come. He said, come. What a beautiful response of the Savior to Peter. Come. Listen, come reflects the grace of Jesus for Peter. He didn't rebuke Peter. He didn't put Peter down. He didn't whip up the storm harder because Peter didn't believe at the first. No, Jesus simply said, come. We see this word come, this invitation come reflects the grace of Jesus for Peter. This Invitation to come reflects the love of Jesus for Peter. This, great, this invitation to come reflects the mercy of Jesus to Peter. This invitation to come reflects the power of Jesus for Peter to actually come to him on the water. As he was able to come to him from that point as he started to walk on the Sea of Galilee. Listen, Jesus wants us today to come to him in our storms, tests, and trials. Jesus wants us to come to him every day, all through the day, in every way. Jesus will actually use, he uses our storms, tests, and trials to draw us to him. He wants us to come to him for salvation. As Jesus told the, the, the Jews there in living Israel, as they were listening to the works-based theology of the Pharisees, he said, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to come to him for salvation. Jesus wants us to come to him for all of our needs. He is our great provider. He will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches and that he has for us. And so we know and understand that he extends the invitation to you and me today. Come. Come. He wants us to come to him. And so we come to Jesus. We live with courage for Jesus as we walk by faith in Jesus. And that walk of faith in Jesus is helped is strengthened because of our belief in Jesus and we remember all the works of Jesus and we're spending time in prayer with Jesus which helps us to walk by faith in Jesus and I want you to see three points about this faith in Jesus three quick points in this passage about walking by faith in Jesus number one if we're going to walk by faith in Jesus I must go to Jesus you must go to Jesus notice when Peter got out of the boat his goal was to get to Jesus He had one goal, get to Jesus. Peter believed that he was safer in the storm with Jesus than he was on the boat without Jesus, and he was right. He was right. Listen, we are safest in our storms, tests, and trials. Whatever they may be, we are safest when we go to Jesus. And whatever it is we find ourselves in the middle of. Notice Peter climbed out of the boat to get to Jesus. What does that tell us? It tells us this. Peter got out of his comfort zone to go to Jesus. 
Peter got out of his comfort zone to go to Jesus. Up until that time, Peter's greatest comfort was that boat. And confronted with Jesus, Peter got out of the boat. He climbed out of that boat. He climbed out of his comfort zone to go to Jesus because he realized there was someone greater. And so we understand Jesus commands us to follow him. Remember, the first sermon in our series, Jesus commanded us to follow him. We repent of our sins, and then we follow Jesus. What does that mean? It means this. We must get up each day, get out of our comfort zones, and go to Jesus. Following Jesus simply means day by day, throughout the day, we must get up, we must get out of whatever comfort zone that is, and we must go to Jesus. Jesus calls us out of our comfort zones. He calls us out of our comfort zones. Faith is always walking out of our comfort zones. He calls us out of our comfort zones to trust him because our faith grows stronger as we get out of our comfort zones and trust Jesus in the hard, in the difficult, in the new, in the scary, in the uncomfortable. As we trust Jesus in these times, as we go to Jesus through these times, we find that we are strengthened in our faith by these times because as we go to Jesus in these times, in the hard, in the difficult, in the new, in the scary, in the uncomfortable, as we go to Jesus in these times, we understand and realize he's with us. He's enough for us. And we are safest with him in that hard, new, difficult, scary, uncomfortable place. And so we understand and realize, as followers of Jesus, he invites us to come. That doesn't mean we just sit here and go, okay, uh, no, you come to me, Jesus. And as long as you come to me, then I'll consider about whether I'm going to go to you. Now he says, come, that means we got to we got to get up. Got to get out of those comfort zones. We got to go to Jesus. So, what does that mean for you this day and this week? What does that mean? What's the comfort zone that Jesus is calling you out of in your life? Maybe he's calling you to make a commitment to serve in an area of our ministry on a weekly basis. Maybe that's something new, that's something that's uncomfortable, that's working with children. Maybe it's even a little scary for you. And yet maybe that's exactly what he's calling you out of, that comfort zone, to come to him. Maybe it's... That Jesus is calling you out of your comfort zone to witness to that coworker. Maybe he's calling you out of your comfort zone to witness to that student that you're in class with week after week after week. Maybe Jesus is calling you out of your comfort zone to invite your neighbor, friend, or coworker, or fellow student, or classmate to church. Maybe Jesus is calling you to. Begin praying with and for your family. Maybe he's calling you to begin praying with and for your friends. Maybe he's even calling you to begin praying with and for your family and friends out loud. Maybe Jesus is calling you to go and minister 
to someone who you know is going through a a challenging time. Maybe he's calling you to step out of your comfort zone and finally accept God's challenge in Scripture to test him in his area of giving. And he's calling you to begin giving your tithes and offerings to him in a generous way to be a good steward of what he's given you. Maybe he's calling you out of the comfort zone to, to truly Love your wife as Christ loves the church, husbands. Maybe he's calling you out of your comfort zone to truly renew your commitment, wives, to love and encourage your husbands. He calls us and says to us, come, come to him. And so we must get out of the boat of our comfort zones and we must go to Jesus See, also walking by faith means we must fix our eyes on Jesus. We see here in verse 30, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter walked on the Sea of Galilee as he fixed his eyes on Jesus. When Jesus called him, he stepped out of the boat, looked at Jesus, and came toward Jesus. The second Peter looked at the wind, he began to sink in fear. Peter took his eyes off Jesus. Peter stopped thinking about Jesus. Peter started to look at his circumstances. Peter began to actually think about what he was doing and where he was, and he began to sink in fear. And we understand and realize in our lives today, the minute we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put our eyes on our circumstances, on ourselves, or on others, we will begin to sink in fear. We'll begin to sink in frustration as followers of Jesus Christ. This is exactly why the writer of Hebrews told us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, referring to the Christian life. He then said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, fix your eyes on him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that why? You will not grow weary and lose heart. We fix our eyes on Jesus through time in prayer. We fix our eyes on Jesus through time in God's word. We fix our eyes on Jesus through times of worship. We fix our eyes on Jesus as we walk in obedience to him day by day, step by step, going to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And then if we're going to walk by faith, we must cry out for Jesus. We see in verse 30 again, But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter, when he began to sink, he cried out for Jesus. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter once again displayed his faith in Jesus by crying out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Again, Jesus responded to Peter immediately and rescued him. Listen, Peter's faith in Jesus grew stronger as he walked on the water to Jesus and was rescued by Jesus. We will have times where we struggle with doubt as we walk with Jesus. 
Doubt comes quickly into our lives, into our minds, into our relationship with the Father when we take our eyes off Jesus. But we see here, when we talk about walking by faith in Jesus, that means we got to get up, get out of our comfort zones. we got to go to Jesus. We got, as we go to Jesus, we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. we got to steer right into his beautiful, lovely face because that's where we find strength and comfort and all we need to keep walking by faith. But in those times where we take our eyes off Jesus and we stumble, trip, and fall, then we must cry out to Jesus. As Peter did, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, heal me. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. Lord, show me. Crying out to Jesus. Knowing that just as Jesus gave us evidence here with Peter, he will respond to us as well. He'll respond to us. And so we see this beautiful walk of faith in Jesus. We go to him. His power at work in us. We fix our eyes on him, knowing that as we stumble, trip, and fall, we cry out for Jesus to save us. And he responds to us. So we live with courage as we believe in Jesus. We're remembering the works of Jesus. We spend time in prayer with Jesus. We walk by faith in Jesus. We see, the last point is, we're going to live with courage. We must worship Jesus. You and I must worship Jesus. Jesus. This is beautiful. Verse 32. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. So here's what we know. Don't miss this. Peter walked on the water toward Jesus. The minute Peter looked at the wind and looked at what was going on, he began to sink. He then cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me. The scripture says the Lord then reached out his hand, took hold of Peter, and rescued him, lifted him up. And now we read in verse 32, when they got into the boat. So we know what that means is Jesus lifted Peter up by the hand, and then he drugged Peter behind him, smashing him on the waves. Peter was gasping for air. He couldn't hardly breathe. He was beating him up as he was walking back to the boat. And then he threw Peter into the boat because Peter did not believe in him every step of his way throughout this story. No, we know that's not what happened. What happened? Well, the beautiful happened. Jesus picked him up by the hand. And according to this word, they walked hand in hand. Till they got in that boat. When they got in the boat, the wind ceased. John tells us in his gospel, when they got into the boat, at once they were at the shore where they were headed. That's another miracle in this miracle story. At once they got in the boat, boom, they were there. From the middle of the sea to the shore because of Jesus. That is the power of our Savior Jesus. 
Jesus is Lord over the fish and loaves. He can multiply them. Jesus is Lord over the wind. He can stop it. Jesus is Lord over the waves. He can walk on them. Jesus is Lord over sickness and disease. He can heal them. Jesus showed his authority and sovereignty to his disciples. Jesus gave them proof upon proof upon proof that he is the Son of God, that he is God the Son. And his disciples at this moment did what they should have done. They did the only thing they could have done, and they worshiped Jesus. Truly, you are the Son of God. Listen, it is our joy and it is our privilege to worship Jesus today and every day. Amen? He has given us evidence in his word, in our lives, that he is the Son of God. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is the risen and exalted Savior. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our sustainer. Jesus is our lover. Jesus is our guide. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is the soon and coming King. And so it's our joy and privilege today to worship him. He is the son of God. He is the savior. He is God the son. As David the psalmist said, give the Lord the glory due his name. Worship him and the splendor of his holiness. Let me ask you to bow in prayer.